Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this season, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every single goddamn page in a trio of adventure modules for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes RPG, starting with Adventure MT1, All This and World War II. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. All This and World War II was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 5 of All This and World War II, and our tour of B-tier Marvel superheroes continues. Specifically, we're discussing possible player characters for this module drawn from the West Coast Avengers, not like the regular Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. The West Coast Avengers, Earth's heroes who live nearest to the Los Angeles area. Yesterday we talked about the Vision, uh, a well-known kind of core member of the West Coast Avengers team. We learned all about his superpowers. We learned about his weird trick of getting solar energy shot into the little jewel on his forehead to power up. We learned his extremely tortured backstory as it relates to the Android Human Torch and Simon Williams. Soap operas have nothing on comic books when it comes to weird relationships. Like the Vision is on a team whose roster also includes a dude with the same body and a dude with the same brain. And they're two different dudes. But anyway, we went through all that. We learned about Vision's extremely close meaningful, enduring, and most importantly, salient for gaming purposes relationships with two stage magicians who live in his neighborhood named something Zarkov. I've forgotten already, as had everyone who worked at Marvel by the time this module was published. Last page also had a picture of Moon Knight and the beginning of his stat block, which continues today. And it's Moon Knight that I want to talk about, because if the author made the best of a very difficult job yesterday trying to capture the vision at a very specific and detailed moment in his history. Today, the author gave up. I don't blame him. I give up all the time. And clearly, the timing of this module was just the worst in terms of comic book continuity, as we will see again and again. But this is a particularly unfortunate case. I'll just take you through Moon Knight. Uh, and this is starting back on page four. Moon Knight, alias Mark Spector. Uh, we get Moon Knight stats, which are pretty middling. Moon Knight is sometimes thought of as one of Marvel's Batman analogs. But that comparison is really not favorable to Moon Knight. He has a fighting rank of remarkable, 30, which is very good. Don't get me wrong, it's very good compared to regular people. But like, the Vision has remarkable fighting. Remarkable is kind of like the minimum level you need not to immediately get your ass kicked if you're surrounded by two or three trained combatants and you're wearing a big grabbable cape. It's kind of like the entry level for superheroes who engage in fisticuffs. Hardly Batman level. And that's one of Moon Knight's best three stats. Most of this other stuff is excellent, which is 20. Uh, he has Psyche at Remarkable, 30, which means he's got willpower and presence. You know, he cuts an intimidating figure, but he's not striking fear into the heart of a city. I think he could strike fear into the heart of a mid-sized town, somewhere smaller, somewhere a little less jaded. Maybe he could strike fear in the heart of New Rochelle, somewhat of a more timid New York State locale, famously the home of Robin Laura Petrie, from whose surname we derive the word petrified. And then the other stat in his three-way tie for first place is his resources, which is just like his money and his wealth. Uh, that is also remarkable, which is good. I mean, listen, does remarkable resources sound pretty good to me about now? In real life, it sure does. But that's not Batman money, and that's not Tony Stark money. Totally different weight class. Like, Bruce Wayne is from one of the founding families of Gotham City. He's a CEO, owns all kinds of companies, he can get whatever he wants, and he goes to all these, like, black tie events. He's in this rarefied social echelon. So he's not just rich, but he's glamorous. Resources Remarkable is not glamorous. It's much more of like upper Rotary Club level. Like if a local successful lawyer cuts you off at the Rotary Buffet, at the potato salad, you don't need to take that shit. You can stand up for yourself, which is nice, but it's not exactly dancing with Selena Kyle in a tuxedo. 
Now, one way that Moon Knight is distinct from Batman is that Moon Knight has superpowers. Quote, power boost. When the moon is in the sky, Spectre's fighting, strength, and endurance are raised to incredible, his agility is remarkable, and his health rises to 150. Okay, now we're talking. So, moon comes up, the key stats get a boost. Now we're talking about somebody who could hold his own with a Batman-caliber fighter, at least. Unfortunately, Moon Knight does not grow wealthier under the light of the moon, but I would play that character, and I think I would call him Werewolf of Wall Street, who, contrary to popular belief, does not lose his human conscience and reason under a full moon, but just has a big windfall under a full moon and consequently ends up doing extremely a lot of coke. But anyway, if you think it's as simple as the moon making Moon Knight more powerful, you don't know comic book minutia. Quote, This increase occurs as soon as the moon is clear of the horizon and lasts as long as it is in the sky. As it is the rays of the moon that give him the added power, a new moon or eclipse will not trigger the transformation, but being inside or underground will not prevent its effects. So this is an obscure metaphysical equation that we've got going on here. It's the light of the moon, the rays of moonlight, that make Moon Knight super strong, also know how to fight better. You know, harder, better, faster, stronger. The Daft Punk suite of superpowers. But if it's a new moon, or if it's an eclipse, then no moonlight, therefore, Daft Punk powers remain inert. You remain as hard, good, fast, and strong as you were before. Similarly, if the moon is still touching the horizon, no powers. Because you can see it, but it's not clear of being obscured by the Earth. Moon Knight's really got to pay attention here. If he starts engaging in any crepuscular crime fighting, he's prone to get into a fist fight with some kind of super-powered foe and expect to be super tough, and then he gets clocked. And he's like, what the fuck, Khonshu? Why have you forsaken me in my hour of need? And Khonshu, who's his patron deity, Moon God, is like, I am sorry, Moon Knight, but as you can see, the moon is touching base. No superpowers while the moon is touching base. Those are the moon rules. However, despite this very persnickety situation vis-a-vis super strength in the moon, Moon Knight can go indoors or underground, and there's no problem. The rays of the moon don't need to reach him. I guess they just need to reach Earth. Well, I mean, he doesn't have superpowers while the moon is up on the other side of the planet. Does a cloudy sky block the moon enough to deny Moon Knight his superpowers? I have no idea. There are a lot of permutations here. This power write-up could go on indefinitely, as could this podcast. But we have to move on because Moon Knight, in addition to superpowers, carries some shit around. Quote, 10 throwing darts, range 5 areas, good edged damage. Good damage is a misnomer. That's good as a 10. I don't know offhand, but I think we're talking about something akin to lawn darts here. And it is edged damage, but it's not very much. So these are dangerous and potentially lethal, but also not very damaging. It's an interesting choice. Like for a guy who can probably throw like a motorcycle when he's super strong at night. It's interesting that he can do that, but he opts for really hucking lawn darts at people. Uh, he also has, quote, a lasso grapple, range one area, good damage or excellent grappling ability against one foe that allows Moon Knight to scale walls at two stories per round. I'm intrigued by the idea of a grappling line that you can only throw one area away, but that allows you to climb buildings that are four plus stories tall, but it's a lasso. A lasso is a great superhero weapon. No complaints for me. You just don't see a lot of cowboys, like, swinging across the skyline with their lassos, is all that I'm saying. Finally, Moon Knight has, quote, a bola, range three areas, typical blunt damage or good grappling. Typical damage, obviously pretty weak, potentially a fun option, though. Just like the lawn darts, which are not very damaging, but it just would be fun as a superhero to throw lawn darts at a supervillain. Similarly, the bola, which is, this, you know, cool weapon with like the two balls on the cord and then you throw it and like tangle somebody up, tangle their feet or whatever. I think there's a certain joy, a certain elegance in the dichotomy in that ranged entangling attack, wrapping up somebody's feet, knocking them over versus the other use of the bola, which is to just straight up huck it at somebody's head and watch those little balls just like bounce off the back of their skull. Something very comic booky and fun about 
an elegant weapon employed for silly violence. There's something of the boxing glove arrow in using bolas as a thrown blunt weapon. So anyway, that's what Moon Knight has going for him equipment-wise. He's got some firearm skills, acrobatics. It says here that he's a skilled financier, although again, obviously no Bruce Wayne. Then we get this interesting little snippet, quote, contacts. Moon Knight has a small array of followers, including Marlene Alrod, Bertram Crawley, and Rick and Ray Johnson. And that's it. No, no description of who these people are, what they do, what his relationship is to them, where he met them, just names. Which initially, I thought, this seems like a waste of space, because like at least we know that the Zarkovs are stage magicians, right? We're never probably going to interact with them, and we don't care about them, but at least we know the Vision knows stage magicians. If, if there were some weird player character scheme where we needed a rabbit for some reason, whoever's playing Vision could look at his write-up and be like, aha, apparently I have some best friends who I've never interacted with before and will never interact with again, and they're stage magicians, so let me go uh, borrow a rabbit. There's at least a hint of how they could be useful. These are just names. But then I kind of started thinking about it. A lot of times in role-playing games, when you define your contacts at character creation, they kind of fall flat because you don't know how you're going to play the character yet. The events of the game haven't really picked up yet. You don't know who's going to be useful, who's going to be interesting, who the GM's going to have a good time performing, who the players are going to latch on to. So you end up kind of investing character generation time. And that very definition kind of makes them fall out of the game sometimes. It might be more interesting just to start with a list of names of contacts and then figure out who they are in play. Like, I would love to have on my character sheet, uh, I have a small array of followers, including Baroness Donatella Ambergris, uh, Manny the Ham, of course, the Sisters Dufresne, and Gunnery Sergeant Helga O'Hurley. And who are they? What do they know? What do they do? What's my relationship to them? No fucking clue. Just at some point, something's going to come up in the campaign, and I'm going to skim my character sheet and be like, aha, this looks like a job for black market rabbit dealer Manny the Ham. Anyway, this entry closes with the background of Moon Knight, which I'll summarize for you. He's a mercenary. He gets killed keeping another mercenary from robbing an Egyptian archaeological site. The Egyptian god of the moon, Khonshu, brings him back to life, or at least Moon Knight thinks that's what happened. And so Moon Knight, you know, devotes his life to Khonshu, creates his whole persona based on Khonshu, and goes out and does Khonshu's business all over town. As always, a low-rent Bruce Wayne right? An Egyptian deity crashed into the window of his study one night, and he was like, aha, I will strike fear into the hearts of the criminals of New Rochelle by dressing up as whoever the fuck this guy is. Uh, we get brief mentions of Moon Knight's other two identities, which he has abandoned by this point. Uh, cab driver Jake Lockley and millionaire Stephen Grant. It says he used, quote, Grant's money to fund his crime-fighting career. I'm sure this made some kind of comic book sense in the comic books. I am personally unclear about developing a millionaire character, like you're at Second City or whatever. And then once you really inhabit your millionaire character, transferring the millionaire character's money to your own real bank account, I'm very hazy on the math there, but that's like an amazing life hack if you can work it out. And then we get a whole bit about the statue of Khonshu. So Mark Spector came back to life under the statue of Khonshu, devoted his life to Khonshu, and apparently took the statue home because it says, quote, tired of juggling several identities, Spector finally retired his other selves and sold the statue of Khonshu. When the buyer sought to turn the statue toward his own evil ends, Three ancient priests of Egypt called upon Spectre to rescue the statue and retake the mantle of Moon Knight, which he did, earning the honor of hosting the spirit of Khonshu within his body. So he took the statue, he sold the statue, the person who bought the statue started doing evil things with it, so he went back and got the statue again and brought it back home, and then Khonshu decided to favor him with superpowers and possess his body. And then here's the final paragraph of Moon Knight's entry, quote, Recently the spirit of Khonshu departed Spectre's body, beginning another chapter in the story of Moon Knight. You can hear the author tearing his goddamn hair out. 
just recently in the comics, like a couple of months ago, in West Coast Avengers number 41, in one story, this entire fucking entry was rendered useless when Khonshu decided to go do God stuff by himself, leaving Moon Knight without any superpowers, regardless of the precise location of the moon. So Moon Knight loses his superpowers. He stops being possessed by Khonshu, which is also here in this background. And, though it's not mentioned here, he also leaves the West Coast Avengers. So we've got this whole entry written out, complete with a little mini FAQ about, like, well, what if the moon is up, but I'm in the middle of Manhattan, or, you know, New Rochelle's equivalent of Manhattan, and I can't see the moon, and it's behind the skyline, but if there were no buildings here, then it would be above the horizon, what then? The author has gone to all this trouble. He wrote up the original stats and the stat conversions for Moon Knight, depending on whether the moon's rays are empowering him or not. Did this whole background about the relationship status between Moon Knight and Khonshu. And then like two months before this module comes out, there's a story where Khonshu is like, listen, Mark Spector, it's not working out. This moon shit is too complicated. Now that the evil god Seth has reappeared on Earth, I've decided that instead of sending you to throw lawn darts at him, I'll just go beat him up with my own god hands. I depart you now, Mark Spector. And I withdraw my divine powers. You are just decaf Batman again. Goodbye. And then Moon Knight was like, well, fuck. I was already barely Avengers status, even B-team West Coast Avengers status. If I'm losing the superpowers too, I feel like maybe I would better just move down a weight class. So he quits the West Coast Avengers. So now the author of this module is left with this big old stat block for a character who's not on the team anymore and doesn't have any of the powers listed here and has lost the relationship that defines his background. But we've still got a picture of him. Layout is done. So what the fuck? Let's put a paragraph at the end that says, quote, recently the spirit of Khonshu departed Spectre's body, beginning another chapter in the story of Moon Knight. In other words, P.S., everything in this entry just changed, but I'm fucking done. Goodbye. I don't think that's the dumbest thing in this page because the author could not have done otherwise, probably. As he probably knew, Moon Knight was going to go back and forth on this whole Khonshu thing. I understand. The author The author had no choice. Everything had just changed. The entry was already written. Everything was already decided. I mean, the character left the team, but what are you going to do? A month, maybe, before you go to print, you're going to take out the whole section and replace him with another character? All you can do is give up. The dumbest thing on this page, I think, is the choice to give Moon Knight a contacts section with only names and no description of who the contacts are and what they do, because he's an established character. But as I said earlier, I think accidentally the author has stumbled upon a really brilliant idea here. For an original superhero, I am fully in favor of giving them like four or five contact names that are just great names and no descriptions. That's a really good idea. But in the context of an established hero, like presumably Ray Johnson and Bertram Crawley are people with identities, but you wouldn't fucking know it from this entry. And speaking of beloved minor characters who are not explored in this book, join me next time as we wrap up player character bios with a criminally incomplete entry for the Scarlet Witch, on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact the show however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Podbean, Gmail, Instagram, etc., etc., this episode's theme music is Robinson's Grand Entry March, performed by the United States Air Force Concert Band. Thanks for listening.